Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Rockies Now podcast. We are a Colorado Rockies podcast. You can follow us on all of your favorite social media platforms at Rockies Now, Facebook, X, Instagram, and Threads. I'm your host, Steven, along with co-host Tom for the ride. The World Series is over. The Texas Rangers have won the World Series for the first time in franchise history. Uh, this year, you know, we saw that there was a lot of uh, negative comments toward the World Series, or like the viewership and the, you know, oh, the ratings have gone down. But overall, I think, Tom, I think this was probably one of the greatest World Series I've seen in a while. And uh, it was just fantastic. I mean, you saw two teams, Arizona and Texas, who lost over 100 games a couple years ago. And Arizona put up a fight. They were just a couple wins away from winning their first World Series since 2001. The Rangers, they finally got their first World Series ring. I think this definitely shows another thing about the playoff format or about the playoffs in general, and that is no matter how good or bad you do in the regular season, whether you're the top seed or the last seed, you can still go on a run once you hit the playoffs because neither of these teams were top in the top half of the respective American or National League. So I think that's what it shows, unlike last year when you had the almighty Astros against the last the, the final seeded Phillies. This year you had two teams that were either the last seed or the second to last seed, and yeah, pretty much you just, they just, again, you went on a run, but all in all, I really don't think the, what is the announcement of the ratings being down? It's a true indicator of how entertaining this world series was. It definitely produced, I think. And again, even though it went five games, I think it was a well-contested series. Nobody really just sprinted away with it in either, in any of the games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you also have to realize that both these teams are not East Coast teams and you get a lot of viewership from the East Coast, you know, Yankees <laughs> fans and all that. And it's understandable, but when you have, um, you know, teams like the Dodgers, Astros, you get a lot of viewership. And um, I think the last time, like there was a ton of viewership for the World Series where it did very well was in 2016 when it was the Indians back then, it was the Indians versus the Cubs. Mm -hmm. And um, and not not saying that it's it's boring now, it's just that, you know, for a lot of people, baseball is a regional sport. And so it's just like, oh, you know, if my team is in the World Series, I'm definitely watching. But if they're not, I'm not watching it. And I think, you know, that in some ways that's fine and it's, it's, it's OK. But at the same time, though, you know, I, I think for baseball fans, you know, it's kind of enjoyable because it's just like, man, this is what I want to see. I want my team to be in the World Series. That's why you watch it is for the fun of the game you know, just to see these teams battle it out, even though you might not like these two teams or you're not fans of these two teams or you don't even know who the players are on these two teams, it's still fun to go out and, you know, watch these players on TV, the best players in baseball, and compete for the Commissioner's Trophy. And I think this World Series, again, like I mentioned, it was probably one of the most enjoyable World Series games I've watched in a long time. Last year, I watched a little bit of it. I was on, at college on campus. I wasn't really paying a whole lot of attention to it. Um, but yeah, I, I, this World Series, man, I mean, talk about, I mean, because we were actually recording last week during game one and we were, mm -hmm. you know, sharing how, oh, you know, the Rangers tied it up. And and literally, I think it was it like 15 or 20 minutes right after we finished, Adolis Garcia hit the walk-off. We were like, oh my gosh, you know, you know, it was unbelievable. The crowd noise was loud. And, you know, Personally, I think that was one of the best game ones I've ever seen in my entire life, for sure. It was just back and forth. The Diamondbacks, they, you know, kind of had an early lead there, and it was back and forth. And, uh, you know, Seager hit the game time home run, which was a moonshot. And then Odolis Garcia, 
you know, that was a bad pitch by, uh, I, I believe it was Miguel Castro who pitched that. And it was, yeah, right over the heart of the plate. And uh, it was a uh, no doubter for sure. And incredible game one, game two went to Arizona. That's when I was like, okay, I could see this definitely going a, a you know, six, seven game series. Yeah. And originally I had the Rangers in seven um, just because I feel like the D-backs, they had a young scrappy team. Uh, their pitching Brandon Fott was having an incredible you know, postseason. And then, you know, uh, we saw Zach Allen kind of struggle early in the postseason. And then yesterday, you know, was throwing a no hitter into the sixth inning. Uh, the D-backs pitching was keeping them into the games and bullpen as well. And then it just like, you know, once they went to Arizona, you know, it was all Texas and they just, they just, you know, couldn't stop Corey Seager. You know, he's the MVP of the world series. He was incredible. You know, adults Garcia, uh, you know, the injury at first was like, oh, man, this might hurt them a little bit. But at the same time, though, they, they really just kept on hitting and they didn't stop. And, I, I you know, I texted you last night when um, Alec Thomas made that error. That just sucked the air out of the ballpark. I mean, they were they could have still stayed in that game. And I'm not I'm talking about Arizona. And that was just a bad play overall. And it's just, you know, heavy situation. And but hats off to Arizona. They had a great season. But. Texas, they just they just control this entire series against Arizona. Yeah, the uh, game one was an indicator uh, to what uh, one of the things I was looking going to pay attention to, and that is whose pitching staff blinked first, or whose offense took advantage took advantage of the pitching staffs of the other team's pitching staff mistakes. Um, and in game one, you know there was a back and forth. It was really a well pitched game, and then of course, like I said, uh, Corey Seager tied it up, took advantage of a miss of a bad pitch. And then Adolis Garcia, he was, you know, again, he continued his, I guess you could say his coming out tour to the general public. Because, again, it's weird. Nobody really knew. Even though he was a two-time All-Star coming into this World Series, no, the novice baseball fan didn't know who he was. Um, so that was good. And, of course, you know, I really just – when I – I was at my weekly bowling league last night. I was watching on TV and then I was looking away from the TV and I heard, oh no. And I turned my head. And said, oh my goodness. And I see Corbin Carroll running to the center field wall. I thought, and I thought to myself, maybe did it, did Thomas just make an error? And then I saw the run score and everything. And then I got really bad. And when I saw the replay in slow motion of how it missed his glove, I got pretty bad. I got flashbacks to the 86 World Series when the ball went through Bill Buckner's legs and the Mets mm -hmm. won the one. Um, I really hope that that kind of angst and uh, I don't want to say hatred or just ire from Diamondbacks fans is not cast upon Alec Thomas because that wasn't what killed it. It just like, like, as we, like, as you said, that was the, the, it sucked the air out of the entire ballpark or also the death nail in the coffin that sealed the fate of the Diamondbacks and sealed it for the Rangers. Um, but there were the Diamondbacks had so many opportunities, you know, the third inning, the fifth inning, but Evaldi, I think Joe Davis said, and Houdini gets out of it again. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so again, the Diamondbacks had plenty of chances to, to really either stay in the game or even for that matter, take the lead. But the Evaldi, he is a, he is a big, he is a big game pitcher. No doubt in my mind. Cause he had some, he pitched some great games in previous playoffs, including the 2018 world series with the Red Sox. And Texas, they they proved it. They were the better team, both pitching and offensively. Um, particularly, I was very impressed with, with a lot of their at-bats because they have a good mixture, especially from the young guys like Jonah Heim and um, uh, what's his uh, what's his name? Oh, um, uh, Tavares, the center fielder. Mm -hmm. I, I was impressed with him as well. 
And all together, they just played. They they got everything right, and they had everything firing at the right time. And when one had a drawback, the other the the other picked each other up. And it's just amazing that finally, since for the first time since their inception in 1961, they are finally world champions. Finally, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And Cleveland is still the. Mm-hmm. I think they have the longest playoff drought, or at least World Series drought in baseball. And I think one of the biggest droughts in baseball and for a world series and i think in, in sports too i mean cleveland last time they won was back in the 1940 i want to say late 1940s i think it was 48 um, i'm looking it up right now i think mm-hmm. it was yeah it, it was 46 or 48 something like yeah, that yeah texas was this yeah it says here texas was the second longest mm-hmm. uh hold on just a moment let me see mm-hmm. here gosh yeah 1948 75 seasons mm-hmm. yeah which is incredibly long and you know and now there's five teams remaining that have yet to win a world series the mariners the brewers the padres um the rockies and uh and tampa and so now you know the rockies are kind of in that you know that little fold there and i saw you know and i think it's on sports center uh their social medias and Mm -hmm. all that how they have the toy story scene where you know, uh, you know, he's saying goodbye to his partner and just like the dinosaur is so accurate, you know, and, you know, you know, it's just, you know, as a Rockies fan, yeah, it's sad. And, you know, it might seem off and it might seem, you know, forever. It won't be, you know, uh, anytime soon when the Rockies, you know, do something huge or, or win the world series. But realistically, if you look at where the Rockies are right now, I mean, they were basically where the Rangers were and the Diamondbacks were a couple of years ago. And these two fan bases, even last year, you know, Marcus Simeon said last night in uh, one of his interviews that he last year, the Rangers team felt miserable. They were just you know, some of the players weren't even happy to be there. And, you know, and then the following year, they win the World Series. Right. And so it's just like anything can happen in baseball. And, and Chris Young, like I mentioned last week, he's done an incredible job with this team. Um, when it comes to the front office, the coaching, the, you know, free agent signings, the draft, the everything, he's done an incredible job. Obviously he was a former pitcher for them. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a staple for what front offices should do in baseball. And of course, you know, it, it's not all about spending money, obviously, but they were willing, they, they went against a lot of people, like a lot of people were scratching their heads and like, what are they doing? I mean, you know, going out and getting, you know, Corey Sager and, and, and Simeon on the same day, that's huge. That's making a statement. And, you know, there was obviously there's stuff going around about Jacob DeGrom and why he left the Mets to go to the Rangers. Right. And he wanted to win a world series and, 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 you know, yeah, New York is probably not too happy right now, but you know, it's, it, it tells you that when winning is contagious, we've heard that word, you know, throughout sports, whether it's baseball, football, winning is contagious and Chris Young had a plan, and he told that to all the free agents he signed and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. And um, they have some bright young players. Evan Carter, man, I mean, he had a great series. Um, I think he's going to be a solid play for them. And, you know, just a couple – like, not even a month ago, I, I never even heard of him. Like, I remember watching in the uh, – I think it was the Raid series, um, in the wildcard series against the Rays. I was like, who? Who is this guy? And – you know, he, I believe he had about 300 in the World Series. I mean, they have a bunch of, you know, studs on that team. And um, I think they're going to be a dangerous contender for for sure next year. And, you know, for Arizona, you know, I, you know, for, you know, if I was a D-backs fan, I would be disappointed definitely. But, hey, you know, you like you got a, a bright young team and you have some, you know, veterans in there. But 
I think Arizona is going to have a very good offseason. I think they're going to bring in some, you know, pitchers, some, you know, great solid players. And they already have a great solid lineup. So I think Arizona, they really have nothing to worry about. I think they're going to be fine. Again, like I know you and me have talked about it. I think the future is going to be bright in Arizona in the desert. And, you know, with Hazen, you know, what he's done with that organization as well coming in. And, you know, unfortunately, it was a sad story with his wife passing away, uh, I believe, a couple of years ago. But it's just an incredible story, an incredible job what he's done in Arizona. And I think uh, it's only the, the ride's only, you know, they're only ways up. Right. I mean. Who knows? They might be able to surpass the Dodgers. It might be hard, but I, I think they're definitely on the on the you know teams to get to the playoffs next year. And I think uh, Arizona, they're just they're on their way up. Arizona, I think has nothing. I think it's their fans have nothing to worry about. All you Diamondback fans who hear my words, relax. You're going. You're in a good position, and you're what? Because not only do they have a solid young core that they can add to this offseason, they also have a great manager, and they have a great, a great pitching staff, including one of the best pitching coaches in the game. Um, they're going to be fine. As far as the Rangers go, looking back at, I mean, it's well, it's well documented. 2021, they lost over 100 games. Last year in 2022, they lost 90 games. But I can see looking back, thinking of Chris Young's moves, some of them seem that you, I could see his plan. You know, the offseason, 2021, 2022 offseason, he signed Seager and Simeon, uh, two marquee free agents who really both offered a diverse set of skills and also a lot of experience being both vet, uh, um, pretty much decade long veterans of the game almost. And then he did add John Gray. So he didn't completely ignore the pitching staff. And he also uh, prior to 2021 got now, of course he is more of playing more of a prominent role in Dane Dunning. And I think he may end up into the rotation next year, pending the status of Jacob DeGrom. But, and then this past off season, he added more pitching with Evaldi, Degrom, even though he didn't pitch much this season, and then as the deadline approached, he did one. Th- he did a couple more things. He added pitching that they were going to need. You know, say what you want. Chapman was some was still productive. Scherzer, even though he's not the Scherzer of a de- of ten or even fifteen years ago, he's still effective, and he served a purpose. And it's going to be kind of interesting to see, considering he's the highest paid player in baseball next year. But he had a plan, and he executed it, not just with supplementing the young core with veterans each year. He didn't go all in what completely all in in one off season, throw his uh, eggs into one basket, both on the, on the position player and pitching side. So, and you point, and you know, it's true. He had a plan and it worked out just fine. And I think when it comes to the players he chose, I think they were the right ones because mm-hmm. here's the interesting thing about Marcus Simeon. Uh, most people, as most people may or may not know, he was drafted and developed by the White Sox and he made his debut with the Chicago White Sox in his career. He it's 11. This was his 11th season and excluding the 2020 60 game season where he played 53 games. He has played less than 155 games only three times. That was in, in 2013, 2020 and 2014. He played 21 and 64 games. And then 17, when he was injured with the Oakland A's, he only played 85. The last three years, he's played 162 or 161 games. And this season, he played every single game, including the regular mm-hmm. season and the playoffs. That's 179 games. That is, mm-hmm. if that's at the definition of durability, especially at 32 years old, that's incredible. So I think they put together, and now of course, the last thing I'll say about the Rangers, the finishing, the cherry on top of the Sunday was Bruce Bochy. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy, that man has still got it. Even at what is he, he's 68 years old, the guy still got it. He put together, and you know, of course, you know, he put together a great, 
coaching staff that included Mike Maddox as the pitching coach. And that was the thing. He, I think, was the was the right man for the job to get this team to where it needed to be and ultimately put them in the best every, them in the best position to win each and every game. And they did that. But again, the Diamondbacks, they're gonna be fine. Uh, they're still going to be somebody, I mean, who, you know, in a sense, it would be nice to see somebody throw to take out the Dodgers, the division champs next year. So maybe they, maybe they, if, uh, if they add the right p- extra pieces, maybe they could challenge them for that next year. It would be interesting to see though. I hope that happens as a Rockies fan. <laughs> oh boy, me too. Yeah. And I just, you know, just, just yeah. get, the, get the Dodgers off that hill, please. Yeah, please, please. Um, Huge shout out to John Gray, by the way, Rockies legend, starting pitcher, one of the best starting pitchers in Rockies history. Finally got that World Series ring. Really happy for him. And you know, mm-hmm. I was I, I was trying to find him on the TV last night, and you know, I got a glimpse of him very briefly in the in the clubhouse when he was celebrating. And you know, you know, sometimes I wonder what's going through his mind. And I think, you know, sometimes people have said, oh, well, maybe he's probably not even thinking of Colorado. But I think, to be honest with you, a lot of players have said, you know. I learned, you know, a lot of things in Colorado or where such and such place. And it helped me get to this point where I am right now in the world series or whatever. And I think John Gray, I, I think he gets probably say that, you know, he probably learned a lot of things, you know, when he was with the Rockies, not to mention, you know, he probably still remembers that he'll always remember that first postseason start against the Diamondbacks. And as a matter of fact, he, he pitched in game three uh, kind of early. He was going to pitch game four, but uh, Max Scherzer had to be taken out. Um, and he pitched, was it three solid innings? Like he struck out a number, a couple, a few guys. And he, I think only gave up like one hit. He was incredible. I mean, lights out. And I was just so happy for him. And yeah, it was disappointing. I'm like, man, we couldn't have that in the wild card game, but you know, it, it was so much fun. And I'm so happy for John Gray. He, he deserves it. And I think, you know, you know, I can see, you know, I can see why the Rangers wanted him. They saw him and, you know, this is on a, not a bang on the Rockies and listen, you know, I, I think we've talked about it, and of course we don't. I don't think we need to talk about it extremely long tonight. But you know, a lot of people are unhappy about the Rockies bringing back John Gray. Well, you know, the Rockies they did want to bring him back. The Rockies gave him multiple offers at the end of the 2021 season, but the money just was not for for John. And you know, he wanted to come back, but at the end of the day, he was like, you know what? I think it would be best for both of us just to part ways. I need to kind of start fresh somewhere else and you know he it wasn't more it wasn't really a uh, a departure where he was upset and angry at the organization like Arenado and, and story were um but it was more like hey it's time for me to go I, I think i need to find greener grass you know i've enjoyed my time here but i i want to you know pitch somewhere else and you know i think in some ways course field has kind of you know helped him become a better pitcher in texas and, and even in texas sometimes that's not a you know friendly place to pitch but you know you don't have to deal with the altitude and the you know the 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 stresses of pitching at Coors Field as much. But you know I'm just so happy for John Gray and and, and for what he's done. And I think uh, you know he's living up to that contract so far that they gave him. And you know originally I was like eh, I don't know if he's worth that much, but I think uh, he's uh, proven me wrong. And I think he's definitely <laughs> deserved that money. And he's done an incredible job over there. And you know uh, Chris Young, you know the GM and. Um, Bruce Boshi, by the way, you know, again, congratulations to him. I mean, I think that's his fourth World Series title. It's his um, fourth. Yeah, and, and so he won three with the Giants, and, and it's just incredible. And watching the video yesterday, it's just how he was just in Nashville on a on the porch mm-hmm. and just, you know, thinking about coming back to baseball. I, I think it's great for baseball. I think, you know, originally when he was with the Giants, I, you know, you know, it, I didn't like the Giants. I didn't like Bruce Boshi as much just because he was manager of the uh, team, but – 
I'm really happy for Brochi. I think he definitely deserves it. And he's just a down to earth person. Very, you know, very sweet, very honest to his players. And he, he loves his players, you know, and that's one thing he mentioned yesterday is that he praised his players rather than praising himself. And, and he, he really enjoyed being around his players. That's what I just, I love that the most really, honestly, out of, out of managers. And I think he's one hell of a man, manager over there. And I think, uh, you know, it's just the beginning over there in Texas. I mean, you know, I think they're going to be build a, a really good team with him around there. And, uh, and, and to be honest with you, it, we, we kind of saw this coming once the Rangers kind of beat the, uh, the Rays and they were playing against the uh, Orioles. We were like, you know what? I, I wouldn't be surprised. Excuse me. I wouldn't be surprised if the, uh, the Rangers go to the world series and win it all, you know, it might be tough, but Bruce Bochy has been here before. And uh, you know, he's been able to prove a lot of people wrong. And uh, he, that's what he did this year. I mean, a lot of people were, some people were scratching their heads. Like, why are you coming out of retirement? And why don't you just do that and just hang him up? And, uh, but no, he wanted to coach this Rangers team and he led in his first year back, he led the Rangers to the first world series title, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. Bochy is just one of those guys in, I remember who is it? Um, it was yeah, it was Chris Young. I can't remember who was um, the owner of Chris Young, but it was Chris Young who said, "Boach, thanks so much for coming out of retirement after they won the pennant." Um, it was just I. It wouldn't surprise me that after Bochi left San Francisco, I'm not sure if there was a sour taste left in his mouth or he just didn't like how he his exit was. Because I think I remember there was not turmoil, but there was some kind of. I think there was discontent with how his how his retirement how he retired. And, you know, when, even when you retire, many players or coaches, they always feel, Hey, I'm getting that itch. You know, when you you can only stay retired for so long to the point where you still want to be involved in the game to some capacity. And, you know, I know that some former managers who are now in the front office now have said, when you watch a game from a suite, you always, you wish you were in the dugout or you look, you watch the game in a different way, still the same way, like a manager, you still think, Oh, what if I did this or if this situation is now I have these options, or if I do this, I can take this. So if we, if I would go with this picture, I have this option. It's this better matchup. So, you know, at his age, you're thinking about sticking with retirement, but you know, the Rangers, the, it was a great team and a great situation for him to come back to Chris Young convinced him. And like you said, any, and to his, to your point about, how this team went, I guess, from Seeger saying nobody wanted to be, ar- be around the team in 2022 to this year, 2023, them being, if you just build that, that, I mean, one thing that cu- creates great chemistry is winning and it, but it starts in spring training. And once the coaches set the right attitude, everything I think can, has the, has the potential to fall in place when you have the right talent on the team. And John Gray, yeah, I'm happy for him. I think another one of his deciding factors to move, go to Texas, I think, was not only the contract or the opportunity to move to a different organization for a fresh start. I think also he wanted to be a little closer to – it also gave him an opportunity to be closer to home in right, Oklahoma. Yeah. So I think that was another thing. Not that Colorado is extremely far from Oklahoma, but mm-hmm. Texas is obviously closer. So, again, good for him. I mean, he has been reliable in 2021, 2022, and 2023. He's made 29, 24, and 29 starts. So he has provided them some a bit of reliability. And it's true. He was kind of, I think, that start in game that I'm sorry, that appearance in game three took the sour taste out of his mouth from back in 17 when he didn't even last an inning in the wild card game in that very same ballpark against that very same team. So I'm happy for him. It's good. He's going to get a ring in 
like it, it's something that he'll remember for, he'll enjoy forever and who knows maybe he will decide to come back on the next contending Rockies team when he's a free agent and try and see if he can win a second ring in this time that's in the National League mm-hmm. that'd be awesome speaking of free agency let's get into with a free agency starting up basically now but really it starts on Monday I believe mm-hmm. um let's go over to the Rockies uh Notable free agents, of course, uh, for those who are listening, you can go check this out on our Instagram pages and our Facebook page and Threads page as well. Uh, so we made a we made a uh, you know a post about this, and it's just like you know you look at these some of these free agents that are on the list for the Rockies, like Brent Suter, Ty Block, Chase Anderson, Chris Flexen, Austin Wins, and Harold Castro. Are there some players that the Rockies you know gonna bring back? Can they bring back? And Seriously, before you answer that the question, you kind of ask yourself, like, okay, what position or what place, what area on the roster the Rockies need these players or these pitchers? And I think clearly the Rockies they need pitching this offseason. And I think, you know, you know, I think we talked with Lewis a couple of weeks ago for for those who listen to the podcast regularly. You know, you can check that out on our uh, Spotify or our Apple Podcast page as well. Um, we talked about Austin Wins briefly, and I think we all agreed that Austin Wins. You know, we would agree that, you know, he can come back on a, you know, a minor league deal or one year deal to kind of help the catching depth a little bit because, you know, Drew Romo, he's, you know, he's not ready yet. He'll be probably starting the year in AAA. Um, I think Austin Wins would be a good option. I, you know, who knows? Maybe the Rockies will say, you know what, we're going to call up somebody from AAA, like, uh, I forget his name, um, not Drew Romo, but, you know, kind of get somebody up from double A. I don't know, maybe Brian Server, but I think the Rockies, I think we've talked about it at this point as well, but I think the Rockies have kind of passed on Brian Servan, but who knows, maybe they'll bring him back up. But, you know, I wouldn't be against bringing back Austin Wins. And, and um, of course, I do expect Chase Anderson or and or Chris Flexen, excuse me, to come back next year. Um, both actually pitched pretty well to end the season. Um, Ty Block even had a great, you know, second half. Um, I remember he had a very, very good solid start in Baltimore where I think he was throwing a no, a no hitter uh, through like the first three or four innings. It was or five. Innings. It was something like that. I forget. Um, but it was something along along the lines of a shutout, um, which you kind of don't see, especially in this past year. Um, and then Brent Suter. I, I think there's there's been a couple names on this list that have actually said to the Rockies that they would be willing to come back or that they would like to come back. But of course, they're going to test free agency, you know, and, and the waters out there. But I, I think if you're the Rockies, it's pitching because the Rockies, they're going to be without Marquez. They're going to be without Sensatella for at, at least most of the season next year. And I, I think basically the lineup is already set for next year. They're Like the Rockies, they're not going to go out and get a outfielder or an infielder. The only way that could happen if, you know, if the Rockies did acquire a free agent and an infielder would be as if they make a massive trade like Brendan Rodgers, which could happen, which I think is probably the most uh, notable Rockies trade like trade piece that they have. And it could happen. And the only way that would happen if the Rockies were to trade Brendan Rodgers, they would probably do that. But they probably wouldn't go out and get a big infield pro- like you know free agent. They would probably do something like what they did in 2022 with Jose Iglesias, where they signed him to a one-year deal. And then, you know, wait for the prospect to come up. In this case, it's Adele Amador, who is in double A, and he was struggling with injuries this year. And I really don't expect him to be up here by at least until 2025. So it's possible that could happen, but I really do expect the Rockies to keep Rodgers. And, you know, I think the lineup, like I said, is basically set for next year. What I'm looking at is the pitching. I think 
I would love to see at least all these guys that, you know, Chris Flexen, Anderson, Block, and Suter come back for next year. But again, I think one pitcher that I that I, I think could potentially leave Colorado and not return would be Brent Suter just because he's he's one of the best lefty relievers out there on the market. I think a lot of teams are going to like him. And for him to pitch uh, an ERA under four at Coors Field this year is mighty impressive. And he's had good numbers in his career at Coors Field when he was with the Brewers. But I think Brent Suter, if he leaves, um, I think he'd be the most notable and most likely option to leave Colorado in free agency. But I think there's a good chance that the rest of these guys would come come back to the Rockies, except Harold Castro, because I think the Rockies are uh, pretty much passed on him at this point. Yeah, I think Castro's not coming back because he's the kind of player that I'm not saying I'm not trying to be mean and say he's irreplaceable, but he's got he plays it given what his role is on the 40 man roster, you can find somebody to take his spot, somebody mm-hmm. new to take his spot. Um, the ones I think most likely you would want to bring back are uh Block and Suter because they're lefties, and because, like as you pointed out, Suter had an ERA under three under four at Coors Field. Tough to do, especially when you're a lefty. And there's just so many lefty hitters in the game. I can't remember the percentage of righties to lefties, but there's more lefty left-handed hitters. And that includes switch hitters. Um, I'm not sure if that includes switch hitters, but there's more lefties as opposed to righties. And that's the thing. Um, but yeah, I would like the between the two between the other two pitchers, I would like to see Flexen come back. He is on the he is not hit 30 just yet. Um, Anderson, I think, you know, they just brought him in to kind of Bill innings where they need it when they needed it. So I don't think they're going to bring him back wins. That's an interesting one because looking at the catching free agents, there's not a ton that really, you know, open your eyes right away or too many that you could say could fill his role. So maybe they'll bring him back unless they, for some reason, somebody gets non-tender, maybe a non-tender that they feel is a better option. Maybe somebody who bats on the left side. Cause uh, I don't think they would, if they can, uh, Diaz is a righty. I think it'd be probably would be beneficial if they carry it up back the backup to be a lefty. Um, so that's my that, and I, I don't really th- so those are the only ones that I think would most likely or you or they would target to come back. And as far as we'll have to wait and see the how the non tender what the non tender list is, but as of right now, I think I think I'm going to agree with your point. I if I could have it my way, it would be nice if somehow the Rockies would sign somebody like a Cody Bellinger or a Michael Conforto to play the outfield, maybe to play right field. But again, we're probably uh, stretching and dreaming about on that one. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think, you know, you look at the outfield, it's, you know, I wouldn't be necessarily against that, but you kind of do look at the outfield and say, I think it's, you know, again, it's, it's set with Doyle in center field. Jones is your starting left fielder. Mm-hmm. And then with right field, you know, you do want to save a spot for Hunter Goodman, but mm-hmm. I would not be surprised because Hunter Goodman just came up here for like, you know, a few weeks, basically to end the season mm-hmm. um, and got some playing time. And, you know, I know some Rockies fans were frustrated that he didn't get a whole lot of playing time. But again, this guy is extremely young. Yes. You know, it was, it was pretty incredible, like of a season he had, especially in, you know, you know, AAA. He won, I, I believe, the minor league player of the year, which is, you know, awesome. So shout out to him. But I, I think I would not be surprised if he starts the year in AAA next year just to give him some regular playing time. And I think that's that's really good for him. And I think that's what the Rockies really want. That's why they they sent down Toglia later in the season, not because they didn't like him. They wanted to give Toglia a regular playing time. And if you remember Toglia, I think he was actually hitting well right before they sent him down. 
and they didn't send him down because they like it's again they didn't like him it's it's because they wanted to give him regular playing time that's what they want and they want to create the best roster they can to start next year but i think at the same time though you do have to focus in on some of the younger players and you know i think that's where they're going which is great and you know what, you know, if they can get a Cody Bellinger and a, a guy that, you know, you know, it would have been cool because I remember last off season, uh, the Rockies were in the, you know, the, the fold of getting him. And of course he went to Chicago. And I think I want to say the Rockies and the Cubs were basically the final two options for him. And he went to Chicago, but if we would have gotten Cody Bellinger this year, man, <laughs> it would have been incredible. I mean, he like, I, and uh, as a matter of fact, just today, he won uh, nationally player, you know, comeback player of the year. It would have been so incredible because, you know, the Rockies, they could have gotten a very good trade package for him, you know, going to a contending team. It would have been so incredible to see some of those home runs at Coors Field. But I think this year, if we would have gotten Bellinger, I think we would probably would have not have seen Jones or Doyle get called up. But, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Rockies would have found a way to, you know, get those two up. But I think next year... I'm probably going to go with Blackman starting in right field or at least, you know, Monte, you know, not Montero. Uh, totally. We might see him get called up if he's uh, doing extremely well in spring training. The Rockies really like what they see as spring training. But I think we're probably going to see it like Hunter Goodman or Charlie Blackman. Chris Bryan kind of share that right field spot a little bit there. And who knows, maybe if there's a surprising free agent, you know, see, you know, um, signing, maybe they'll have a new right fielder next year. But that's what I'm expecting. Infield is basically set. Yeah, McMahon at the at third base corner. You have Tovar, uh, Rogers at second base, and then first base. Uh, I, I think it just came out to you know the other day, and I actually texted you the uh, I think yesterday that the Rockies plan on having Chris Bryant their full time first baseman next year. Now that won't mean that you know Montero won't have a start at first base, and you know he's going to be DH prime. No, I think occasionally we'll see Montero at first base and KBDH, but I think that's the best way. If you want to have a healthy Chris Bryant, who is, by the way, is your most expensive player and the highest paid player on your team, you have to play him at a position where he can be injury, you know, uh, not injury prone uh, instead of playing the outfield, which, you know, at Coors Field, you're basically running like a mile from, you know, the outfield to the dugout and you're out of breath by the time you go to the batter's box and get ready and so I, I think that's the greatest idea for the Rockies. It's a good thing because, again, highest paid player, you have to pay him. You, you have to play him, you have to pay him, and you hope that he can succeed. And really, the Rockies, they really can't get out of it because just all the money that get, they're getting him right now. And, yeah, I think first base is the way to go. And and so, I, you know, I could see, again, I could see the Rockies doing something, you know, trading Rodgers or, or, heck, or, you know, signing somebody to play right field. But I really do see the Rockies – mainly going after, uh, you know, starting pitching depth or, you know, signings like they did last year with Pierce Johnson and Brad Hand for like one-year deals, and then they'll uh, probably ship them off uh, at the deadline uh, come August. The only position player uh, – <laughs> the only position player updates I think they're going to do is just to tweak the 40-man roster and add depth in that case and really just add a 4A player to cover – just in case, God forbid, there's not too many injuries and such. But the main thing is, like you point out, they got to go after starting pitching depth because I think it was at one point they had 12 pitchers on the IL. And my God, I mean, they just did a great – Bud Black and the rest of the coaches did a great job figuring out how to manage innings and how to cover those innings. And kudos to the guys who, you know, a lot of people had, you know, threw some ire at on Twitter slash X – to guys such as Flexen, Anderson, Suter, 
Peter Lambert to some extent too about, oh, he's terrible, but why do they keep putting him out there? Well, they have no other option. Sorry, mm-hmm. but yeah. sorry, but not sorry. It's what they have to do to cover innings. That's what you, when you have a rebuilding team that's really on a standing on one leg here, to use the metaphor, they're just going to have to bring up able-bodied, able-bodied arms and throw them out there. And hopefully those guys can, can give you some quality starts here and there and cover as much, many innings as you can. And that's a problem because, you know, as you pointed out, even pitching at altitude, whether it's the breaking balls are coming sharply, the fastball isn't riding too much, it can be a challenge. You know, that's part of what it comes with being a pitcher at Coors Field. But that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to figure out some way. Besides, who knows? Maybe they'll lure not an A-list free agent to Coors to the Rockies here. Maybe they'll get a one of the guys on the B-list, for example. And they could definitely mm-hmm. chase somebody on the C-list. But who knows? Maybe they can reach for the stars and get a B-list guy. And and you never know. I mean, they're not getting but as much as I love it. They're, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert for everybody. Shohei Otani is not my prediction pick for him coming to Colorado. So sorry. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, uh, so, um, but you know, as much as I would love to see him walk through the door and get introduced by Bill Schmidt and his and uh, Dick Monfort, it's not. Would that be happen. something? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, no, he is. No, he's not a Boris Count. He's not represented by Scott Boris, so Scott will not be there. Um, that's a stipulation for those listeners who don't know. He, whenever he signs a big name free agent, he has to be at the pre- at the press conference for the announcement. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but anyway, so well, it'll be interesting to see what. How many righties and how many lefties they split when it comes to the to, when it comes to the pitchers that they add? Because I'm very intrigued to see how Bill Schmidt plans to build the pitching staff based on lefty righties. I would like to see the Rockies give a little bit of a closer look to Carl Coffin. I know he had a disappointing season, but again, this guy was mm-hmm. uh, you know he was a, a very high draft pick a, a few years ago, and he went to the minor leagues pretty fast. And you know he did a, a pretty good job overall once he you know. Uh, went to AAA, then his AAA numbers kind of went up, you know, as normal in Albuquerque. Um, but I like to see the Rockies give him, again, like a little bit more time because, again, this is his first year. He's not going to shock you with a sub four, sub three ERA in his first year to where he only had a, you know, a, a, I think a couple starts really. It was emergency starts and he had a, you know, had some outings out of the bullpen. But I remember when he was pitching, and I remember that outing he had in Washington. It was a bullpen game. Jake Bird had the start and he came in and he threw like four or five innings and he barely, I think he gave up like one or two hits. It was incredible. And and just the delivery he was doing, like they could not get a hit off of him. And that gave me hope for Carl. And I think, I again, I would like to see the Rockies, you know, kind of give him another look next year should they need it. And they'll probably need it because again, their rotation is going to be stretched pretty thin starting next year because the only two guys that will be that have been like regular starters for them out of the rotation that will be available starting next year will be Gomber and Freeland. And, you know, you don't know if those guys are going to be get injured. Um, and, you know, Gomber, he's been injured a couple of times since he's been with us. Um, we hope that changes next year. We hope that he can be healthy all season long. Kyle Freeland, he had some of, uh, of an injury at the end of last year so. Really, you know, there's a couple of pitchers. Obviously, Ryan Rolson is on that list. You know, he has yet to make his major league debut, and here he was a first-round pick in 2019, um, 2018 or 2019. Um, I have Toglia and him kind of messed up uh, in between there. But, uh, you know, Rolison, you know, again, I talked about him, I think, a week or two ago. I feel bad for him just the way he's been 
going through all these injuries and just surgery after surgery. But I think there's a chance that he might be able to be, you know, up here, you know, by later next year or yeah, next year. And if that's the case, I'd love to see him come up here because he had the stuff coming up when he was drafted, um, especially in the minor leagues when he was in single A, double A. He had the stuff. He has some nasty pitches that he has in his arsenal. And I think the Rockies could definitely use that to where he can eat up, you know, several innings that they need to use them out of the bullpen. But in, in hell, Chris Olivares, you know, this is a guy that, you know, had, you know, he came up through the international system for the Rockies and he's been one of their top prize pitchers, you know, and most likely will be a bullpen pitcher, but, you know, he might be able to be in there for a starter, but the Rockies, they have some of these guys that I, I would like to see them get some stretching time in, in, in double A and triple A and even in the big leagues next year to where, Hey, you know, if we need to call him up, we can call him up. And, and especially for Carl Kaufman, because he's just one of my favorite pitchers right now. And I know some people say, well, he doesn't really fit course field or, you know, the mold of it, but still, I mean, what pitcher really does, right? I mean, there's some pitchers that just, you know, go in there and they do their job. I mean, Chase Anderson, he was arguably probably our best pitcher in, in, in the second half, if you look at it. I mean, the no-hitter he had going through, you know, the seven, eight innings against the Giants yeah, at the end of the season. Chris Flexen had a, you know, uh, he had a pretty bad start, if you remember. And then he just uh, kind of settled down later in the season, and he was pretty solid. You know, he was giving quality starts, um, which was which was great for the team. And and so, yeah, like the Rockies, they need to – I think they need definitely need to bring these guys back. And, again, you're not really playing for a playoff spot. And, you know, I want to make this myself clear. The Rockies are not competing in 2024, unfortunately. It's the reality, and it's disappointing. And I know some people said, well, you know, we've been, you know, wanting playoff baseball for you – know, I, I understand that. But, again, this is all about 2025 and the future. This is it's, – it's, it's unfortunate where we are right now. But, again – there's there's light in the horizon. There's hope, and I think um, you just have to you know keep going what you're doing. And I think this is the way to go. And you know, yeah, it would be it, I, I think it would be really nice and really cool to see if the Rockies go out there and and bring in a, a starting pitcher. But again, it's very hard to do so. And I think for the Rockies, what they're going to have to do is either make these moves to get pitchers back or bring pitchers here is to make trades or either. Um, you have to basically, again, through the, you know, through the draft, develop them and, and, and call them up and, and, and all that. So I'm interested to see what they do this off season. I really, again, I really don't expect them to do much. And, you know, I had somebody, somebody commented last night saying, oh, you know, the Rockies, they're not going to do anything this off season. And I commented and I said, I know it sounds bad, but I think we ought to just focus on just pitching that this off season. And that's it. I think the lineup, you know, and I already shared with you earlier, Tom, that the lineup is basically set for next year. It really is. I mean, if you want to make a move here and there, you can, but really it's set for next year. And I, I don't think it would be wise necessarily to sign big free agent position players or outfielders so that they don't block, you know, the, the talented young you know players in the lineup like Doyle and, and Jones and Tovar and uh, Hunter Goodman and Montero. Um, you know, rebuilding teams often don't do much in the offseason except make a few trades to improve the lineup or their pitching depth, and in this case, pitching for the Rockies. And so I think that's what we're going to be looking at uh, going into the next year uh, for the Rockies. 
Yeah, when you have a rebuilding team, you're, the goal is to first figure out, okay, who is going to be part of this core I want to build around? And then to finish off, to put together your contending playoff slash World Series team, you supplement them with veteran additions, whether that's via free agency or via trade. The Rockies, as you and I have talked about both on the podcast and off the air, we have pretty much almost not entirely zeroed in on who is going to be part of that core, but we have a pretty fair idea on a good portion of it. I think this year is going to be a couple of things. One, this is going to be one last year to the point where I think they're going to determine, okay, this is, this is our court. This is what we're going to do. These, they cover these positions. And now how do we, who can we add to supplement the positions of need to put, to put, to, to be a good all around team. Uh, number two, this is also giving me a pretty good gauge as to figure out who some of these really young guys like a Tovar, your Doyle, Jones, after such a really solid uh, rookie campaign from all of those guys, what is their sophomore campaign going to be like? Do they hit us? Do they hit a slump? How long is the slump? Um, what did they do to get out of it? And when they get out of that slump, what do they do? Uh, what do they do going forward? Those sorts mm-hmm. of things, those sorts of questions need to be answered. And then, you know, again, if you want to upgrade coaching staff, whether it's at the major level or in the minor league level, you can definitely do that. If you want to supplement maybe an additional prospect here and there, uh, just I just looked it up in Thomas Harding's recent article about any of uh, what could be some potential things to look for in the offseason, just for everybody to understand. The 40 man roster currently sits at 34. It'll be 31 when Anderson, Flexen, and Suter become free agents, if they become free agents. And Two guys that need to be added to the 40-man roster, otherwise the Rockies risk losing them to the Rule 5 draft, are number one prospect, Adele Amador, and number two prospect, Yankeel Fernandez. So look for those moves to be made uh, sometime in the coming month or two. I'm not sure when the deadline is to have the 40-man roster set, but that is something that they're going to have to do, Um, which definitely gives them, I guess you could say, more... I'm not sure if exposure is the right word, but either way, it's going to put more of a microscope on those two because then with them being protected, then that means the organization say, Hey, we have faith in you. Let's see what you do going forward. But um, just real quick, looking at the, um, I don't know what the, to my point about supplementing the core with veteran free agents next off season, I'll look at the 2025 free agents sometime later, but looking at the pit, the um, just glancing at the starting and relief pitchers for this, for this coming off season, whether it's an unrestricted free agent or a guy who has an option, be it club player or mutual, there's some names that you can go after that I would like to see in terms of a veteran. If you can learn them here, like an Andrew Heaney or a, uh, or like an Andrew yeah Andrew Heaney, or maybe you could add somebody like um, in the bullpen, like if a, if Joe Kelly was interested in leaving the Dodgers, James Paxton, you know that's so you know, those sort of things or like a David Robertson for the bullpen who just came, left the uh, Mets and Marlins. You know, there's, st- they have options. If you can convince, Hey, we want you to come join be one of our veteran guys who can, who can mentor these young pitchers and give yourself an opportunity to maybe show you can pitch at altitude and even establish an even higher value for you to go, go into next off season. If of course, uh, a pitcher is willing to take that to buy that uh, sales pitch. I guess maybe that's one way to look at it. Um, but yeah, there there are options. I don't think we need to put our tail between our legs and say the Rockies don't have any options as far as adding veteran free free agent or even trades veteran pitchers. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. They have options. So don't put everyone. Don't get your don't get uh, don't start getting down in the dumps. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, when you talked about, you know, veteran guys, you know, to come into the team and kind of show some leadership, it kind of reminds me of what the Rockies did in 2017 with Greg Holland. Oh, yeah, that's good. Put him in the code. That was a great signing, by the way, even though some of his, you know, numbers weren't great. And I know he had some, you know, uh, outings and saves that didn't go so well. But other than that, he was a great signing, um, you know, great closer for the Rockies that year. And it just, how good he was early in 2017. And we talked about this before, how good the Rockies were to start that season. You know, they were the first team in the National League to win 30 games. And, you know, large in part because of that bullpen, it was really, really good, especially those two years when the Rockies were in the playoffs. And then, you you know, you go a year later, Wade Davis, you know, that was really his only solid season with the Rockies. <laughs> and it was very helpful. I mean, he was huge in the regular season and he helped the Rockies a little bit in that wild card game against the Cubs. And, you know, he pitched, I believe, two innings there. And, you know, he was really reliable. He helped, you know, some of the younger pitchers like Scott Oberg, right? I mean, unfortunately, it's sad to see him retired already, but thankfully he's working with the Rockies in the organization. And it's great to see him back. But I think he definitely helped guys like Scott Oberg, who actually had a very solid season and was probably one of the best, if not the best, reliever in 2019 for the Rockies. And I think, I agree. I think the Rockies, if they want to do something like that, and I think, and what, that's one thing I like about last year is that the Rockies, they went out and got Brad Hand and Pierce Johnson, not only for, you know, so that they could trade them at the deadline, but I think they did it for leadership because if you look at the bullpen right now, the Rockies, most of their bullpen guys are extremely young. Like they're basically in their first, second, third year of their major league career. Um, I think Justin Lawrence is one of the older ones, but Jake Bird, uh, Gavin Hollowell, uh, you know, Evan Justice, he might be back. Uh, he should be back next year. Um, you know, he might start the year in AAA. But, yeah, you have some of these guys in there. Is, you know, uh, you know, Lucas Gilbert, he should be coming back. Tyler Kinley, you know, you you know, and I like Tyler Kinley because he really was kind of like a veteran coming in there. And at the Rockies, that's one thing I do like is that they have some guys in that bullpen, Daniel Bard, who, you know, have that leadership. And I think, you know, it, it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, the Rockies for several years – um, they really didn't have a good bullpen except last year, the first half. The Rockies had one of the better bullpens in baseball, um, large in part because of that leadership, but also some of the young pitchers, Justin Lawrence. He could have been an all-star this year. He was in the conversation of you know, going to Seattle, and of course he didn't make it, but Justin Lawrence, I think he has definitely a future to be a, a closer for the Rockies, and you know, I was hoping that he wasn't going to get traded at the deadline. Of course he wasn't, and you know, you know, huge shout out to Justin. You know, he's a follower of the page. And um, but yeah, you know, the, the Rockies, they need guys like that, especially out of the bullpen. And and, you know, we've talked about it before. The Rockies, they can't really necessarily I mean, they can do it, but they need some veteran guys, not only in the in the pitching staff and the bullpen, but they need veterans in the lineup. Guys like Charlie Blackman and and Chris Bryan. And it's easy to say, well, those guys they are not performing the way they should be. But sometimes, you know, it's not all about the analytics and it's not all about you know hitting home runs it's sometimes it goes down to the little things what's like what's going on like they they can have conversations in the hotel room or they can have conversations on the bus or on the airplane or in the dugout or the clubhouse you name it that really is probably one of the most important things when it comes to being a teammate and to helping the other guy just feel better you know and i think that's very very important i think that's why the rockies brought back you know, uh, Chris, you know, not Chris Bryant, uh, Charlie Blackman on that one year deal. And I think we all can agree that next year is probably going to be the last hurrah for Blackman. Um, but Brent, you know, uh, Bryant, he's been to the World Series before. And yeah, you you might point the finger at Dick Monfort and say, well, he was the reason why Chris Bryant, 
you know, came here. But I think the Rockies also realized, you know what, we would need a guy that's been there and has done it all. He's won an MVP. He's won Rookie of the Year. He's won a World Series ring. And he basically was the key in many ways to helping the, that Cubs team win, you know, their first World Series in 108 years. The Rockies, they need a guy like that and they have him. It's just that, you know, yeah, he's not performing the way that a lot of us have, you know, want him, wanted him to be. But sometimes you have to, you know, kind of take a closer look at the organization as a whole and say, how can we improve as a team without, you know, instead of looking at the numbers, how can we improve as a team? And I think starting off in the clubhouse and on the bus ride or in the airplane, I think that's probably one of the most important things, if not the most important thing when it comes to being a good teammate and creating a winning culture in Denver. The intangibles off the field are very overlooked sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, again, this is, you know, again, we've, you know, we'll talk about it several times this off season and there might be times where a lot of people will be upset when the Rockies don't do much and, you know, maybe they'll be a little bit quiet and I am expecting a somewhat of a quieter off season, but you know, the Rockies, uh, you know, I, I think they kind of have a picture painted out right now. I think they have a, a plan in place. And, you know, and I was just reading an article, uh, I think two days ago. It was uh, by Renee Deckhart. She's written several stuff for different baseball pages, especially for the Rockies and Purple Row and stuff like that. But she wrote that the Rockies, they really want to keep Doyle, Jones, and Tovar basically as untouchable. Like, we do not want to get rid of these guys at all. These are our guys that we're going to build around. And see, that's the thing. If the Rockies really didn't have guys like Nolan Jones or Tovar or Doyle, and we just kind of were still in that rut of 2021, 2022, where we're kind of, we don't really know what we're doing, then that's when I would be kind of in a panic and saying, okay, what are we doing? Where now I feel like the Rockies, we kind of have our identity back. And and, and, you know, there's going to be those negative comments saying, well, the Rockies are going to be in this eternal desert where they don't contend forever. No, I, I think it's all about, you know, it, it's easy to put light on the best teams in baseball and not pay attention to some of the other teams. And I, I think for the Rockies, when the Rockies become relevant again and when they come, a, a, you know, a surprising team in baseball again, I think a lot of people are going to be shocked because, some people are going to say, you know, we never saw this coming because of what happened just a couple of years prior with Nolan Arenado departing and, and Trevor Story and John Gray. But with the Rockies, they, they, they're they trying uh, something different, and that's trying to, you know, do something they haven't done in a very long time, if at all, in their history of the franchise. And that's really stocking the minor league system with pitching and to draft, you know, really heavy, talented position players. And that's something that I think a lot of us that we've, you know, Tom and I, we've talked about a lot on this podcast is that the Rockies, they have some studs who are going to be coming up through the system in the next year or two. And we just have to be patient. And I think that's one of the big keys for the Rockies as we head into the off season uh, to pay attention to and kind of say, you know what, you know, I'm fine if the Rockies don't do much this off season, as long as this team has someone somewhat of an identity of what they're doing and have a plan in place for, you know, 2025 and 2026, because again, I think they're not really playing for 2024 next year. I think, you know, as the average fan, it might be disappointing to hear that and say, well, you know, I'm not going to go buy tickets next year. I'm not going to go do any games next year. But really, when you look at the big picture, you look at 2025, 2026 and say, okay, I think I can start to see, you know, what's coming together here. Kind of like what Chris Young, you know, he kind of, you know, told the three agents and, you know, some of these players on the Rangers saw, you know, a couple of years ago and said, hey, we we see something 
good coming here in Texas. And, you know, they now are World Series champions for the first time in, in their team history. So I think, you know, like Tom and me, me have said, good things are coming, but we just have to base, you know, stay patient here. And I think, uh, you know, who knows, maybe the Rockies will do something like, you know, something like Arizona did last, last off season to where they made some trades and uh, they helped some of the young player, you know, guys on the D backs go to the world series this year. I look at it as they're playing, they'll be playing in 2024, but they're playing for 2025, 2026 mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. So with hope that, Everything the pieces all fall into their proper places. Hopefully, as my prediction would come true, that 2025 could be their first step into becoming contenders once again. Mm-hmm. It's just again, we just gotta hope for the best and just prepare and hope. And I know they're gonna prepare the team is gonna prepare for the worst and just gotta hope. Oh, just hope just again, again, I'm just hope is this gonna be a word I might use a lot over this next season as people listen to our episodes going forward, but Hope just got to, in a sense, use the phrase, keep hope alive at this point. Right. I think this will conclude this episode of the Rockies Now podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, follow, rate, and review all of our social media pages. We love hearing from all of our wonderful listeners. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. Have a great day, everyone. And as always, go Rockies.